Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 62 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm thrilled that my guest is able to join me today. He's one of the founders of the Women's Australian Rules Football, or WARF Radio, and is a VFLW play-by-play caller and a host of the WARF Radio podcast. I'd like to welcome Mr. Peter Holden to the podcast. Peter, welcome. Thanks for taking some time out of your morning before you head off to work. Thank you very much, Craig. Uh, hang on, I brought my own crowd with me. It's Fantastic. a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. I, I, don't have the, I don't have that fancy stuff yet. I'm hoping to get oh. <laughs> So, you know, for those of us that are, uh, that are listening in the States, and I have, you know, a good number of the people that listen to the podcast are in the States, but a lot of them are in Australia. How did you go about getting uh, on board with announcing women's footy? What, what gave you your start with this? Um, it's a bit of a long story. Um, I had been announcing men's football in the past, um, as a volunteer, um, even though I worked, uh, in radio for the good part of almost two decades, uh, professionally, um, most of the times the sports calling aspects, because I called what Americans would call minor league level levels below, um, the, the national league. Um, I just got into it as a volunteer originally as an 18 year old, um, uh, someone asked me to take part on this Channel 31, which was open access TV in Melbourne. They were doing a local footy show and I did a few tips on there. And then they asked, oh, can you call the under-18s grand final? And I did that and it's like, oh, this this guy can actually call footy. And then it rolled into a year after that. I did the, the Western Region Football League, did the VFL. My radio career took me around Australia. Then I came back to Melbourne uh, in the later 2000s. Uh, did VFL men's from 2007 through to about... 2013 2014 for, for various stations but uh, by the time 2013 came around I was really getting bored of doing the VFL men's because again as you Americans say it's minor league level and uh-huh. it's the reserves the main grade so the teams in a way uh, let's just say they're playing but they're not necessarily playing to win they're playing for structure or their own individual positions to get promoted up so the, the, the competition had lost its soul from what it used to be when it was known as the VFA years beforehand. So I got bored with that going, geez, you know, I want a different challenge. I want something, you know, where it, it feels exciting again. And 2013, uh, at the last minute, I got a phone call. I think it was on the day of. Someone said, oh, uh, the women are having uh, this uh, representative match. Um, it, it was called the, um, it used to be called the Anzac Day Eve game, which was... Uh, uh, for Americans' point of view, it's before your um, Veterans Day. Right, right. Um, where what happens, the uh, women from the Australian Defence Force would play a Victorian team. It wouldn't be the best Victorian team, because the best Victorian team would kick their backsides, but it'd be just a representative of the lower grades. And Okay. They, they asked me, oh, can you call this game? So, all right. So, I quickly, while I'm on the bus going up to the ground, I'm on YouTube trying to find, are there any videos at all? Can I, you know, study a little bit of it just to get a feel for it? And then um, saw a few videos, caught my eye. And then after calling the game, which, um, you know, it was an okay standard, I, I thought I'll, I'll just search a bit more into the videos and the history of this league. Because I knew the league existed, but it just never crossed my mind about covering it. And then um, I found out back then they were video streaming uh, a game every second week. And I'm like, there's no commentators to this. And that's, that's when the wheels in my head started going of, oh, you, if you can add commentary to this, add some graphics and just add a little bit of polish to the product, this could be something really good. 
So you're, um, saying, you're saying that they just they were just airing the, the the video, but no no sound, no audio at all with it. Yeah, most of the times there'll be okay. one or two times where they might have like just someone who happens to have just stumbled across them at the ground and say, "Oh, okay. I'll call." Okay. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't necessarily professional. So I thought, "Oh, this is great." And then, um, so I sent the league an email at the end of 2013 saying, yeah, I'm interested in commentating uh, for 2014 for next year. And then I got an email back saying, oh, the league's now being taken over by AFL Victoria, the governing body. And um, we'll have a meeting in February once we get everything sorted. It's like, okay. And I met them in February. And uh, <laughs> just when you think things are going right, they, they turn around to me and they go, oh, um, we're scrapping the video streaming. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what, what? They go, you know, this is taken over by an organisation that had more money than the previous league. Yeah. And they go, oh, we're, we're, we're scrapping it. And I'm thinking, hang on, you're talking about this national competition that you might get up one day. You think you want to promote it more and you're going to scrap your coverage? And I kind of walked away disheartened and I didn't think anything more of it. And I can it imagine until, you would. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't until a few months later when I bumped into an old friend I used to commentate football with. He was based down in Geelong, and he told me he moved to Melbourne. He says, oh, can I call football with you on 3WBC? And I'm like, well, not really. So the commentary team is full at the moment. Even I'm being involved in a rotation policy because we've got too many callers. And then all of a sudden, a light bulb went off my head. I go, you available on Sundays? And he goes, yeah, yeah. I said, how about calling women's football? And then all of a sudden, round six, 2014, Tin Alley, Melbourne University versus the Darabin Falcons. We rolled up and we called our first game. And uh, after that, it's been, uh, I think, almost 250 games of women's football called across six seasons. So you, you basically took the initiative to kind of reestablish the, the broadcasting of the game on your own at that point Absolutely. in time. So, Absolutely. Um, with borrowed gear and uh, whatever money I could scratch up to buy some equipment of my own yeah. and uh, tape it all together. I remember it was embarrassing the first game that we did because we, we, went, we went to get this, had this nice big banner made from Officeworks, all printed out. You uh-huh. know, this is, it was, well, back then in our first year known as VWFL Radio, we'll have the website address on there and a little uh, uh, frequency as well that you could listen at the ground, 89.1. And the banner wasn't ready. So I had to end up getting like two A5 sheets of paper, or these large sheets of paper, and just with a texter, <laughs> write it out. <laughs> it, looked, it looked very dodgy. And I, copped, and I copped some stick from the Melbourne University president, uh, Lauren Burns, who came up to me going, geez, looking real professional there, Pete. And I'm like, <laughs> what can I do? What can I do? We're well, running on the smell of an oily rag. But then the next, the next week, though, you, they, they, they called the next day and said, oh, by, by the way, your sign's done. Couldn't have had it yesterday for me, huh? Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and unfortunately, the, the embarrassing thing for us as well is that we don't actually have a recording of the first game that we called because I thought on the old laptop I used then, oh, I can record and I can stream at the same time. No, the okay. laptop back then with the sound card didn't allow it. And embarrassingly, Melbourne University came up to me after the game, even though they lost, and they went, oh, can we listen back to the call? Um, no. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so, so, so that's something we had to get sorted out uh, before the I, next week. So I have our, to tell our, you. The first call will never, ever be heard again. It was a one and only affair. I, I, have, I have done an interview that way for this, where I got about 20 minutes into an interview and realized something wasn't working properly. So we had to go back and, and recreate the whole, the whole interview again. So that, that, is, that has happened. Uh, yeah, I, my whole sound system where I announce at the school where I work uh, – broke down on me this year so we replaced the whole sound system so it, it 
Yeah, I, I, I could, I'm definitely with you there as far as the technical issues, issues go. So you got started, you know, announcing the game at a very basic level. You, you went in, you know, kind of on your own and said, you know what, if we're going to have this national competition, which is now out there, you need, you know, you need to get this message out to people. So that eventually evolved into what is now Wharf Radio. And how, and how did that come about? Where did, where did the idea for Wharf Radio come from then? So essentially, we've been the one continuous call team all the way through where the name changed about uh, three times. Um, so the original core of the group, uh, which began, which was, which we call now Wolf Radio, began as VWFL Radio in 2014. With, it was just myself and Daniel Hill. Um, so we're a two-man duo. Um, and then... As the season started to go on, Dan wasn't quite as available as he said he was going to be. So all of a sudden, I'm like, uh-oh, I need some co-commentators to cry and help me out. I remember one day they asked me to call a game at uh, Diamond Creek on a Saturday. And I said, but Dan's not available on a Saturday. And the league said, oh, we'll find you someone. They'll show up and uh, they'll help you because we need you to call that game and the International Cup game between uh, USA uh, Liberty and, and Ireland straight afterwards. I thought, okay, and then the other person didn't show up and I caught about five and a half hours of football by myself. Wow. And um, it, which is not only tiring, but it doesn't sound good on radio. You can get away with it with a video stream. You can let the pictures do the talking, but on radio, one person for five and a half hours sounds terrible. Well, yeah. um, it, took so, me, it took me a while when I first started you know, following the game where I, before I could actually listen to a radio call and visualize the game in my mind, you know, because it's something, you know, that, you know, listening to you know, a baseball game or an American football game on the radio, I, I can visualize what's happening. But it took me a little while before I could figure out exactly where the, the action was going on in the grounds um, with, when it comes to radio. And, I, and I've, I've actually found the, uh, the group that I listen to quite a bit is the, the NEARS group, the, the National Indigenous uh, Radio Service. They've been a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, and I'll, I'll, it, Diversion just for one second. Um, we were very, very close to almost doing a kind of deal with them to call AFLW in 2020. Um, unfortunately, it fell over at the last second. Um, it essentially came down to money reasons in the end, and and the deadline was just too tight to even look at getting sponsors to try and cover that. So um, it was disappointing. It's something we'd probably um, maybe look at doing again with them at some stage in the future. 2021 is not likely because with COVID, everything's up in the air and there's no certainty and it's hard to go get sponsors when there is no certainty about anything. Exactly, uh, yes. But, but the doors, but, but they left they left the door open. So hopefully that, yeah, that's, that's something that's, could happen. That's great. I was going through the list of, on, on your website uh, with the team and, you know, and it, you know, you've got a lot of people here who have, worked as analysts alongside of you that have, you know, or worked as guest analysts. You know, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, Phoebe McWilliams and Hannah Mouncey there and Brian Barish here in the States, um, which, you know, we'll get into the stuff here in the U S a little bit as well, but. Um, yeah. So, so, so essentially uh, uh, jumping back a bit. Um, so, so we had that first year as VWFL radio it was essentially me and Dan, we got more commentators on board for the grand finals of 2014. That's where uh, we were introduced to Matthew Cox, who'd end up being our, our second longest uh, running caller. And Katie Lambeski would join us. And um, by meeting Katie, that gave us the idea when things probably weren't so great between us and AFL Victoria heading into 2015 that we decided to break away. We became um, uh, what was known as girlsplayfooty.com radio. Um, girlsplayfooty.com was a women's footy news site that lasted from about 2013 
through to 2018 before its eventual collapse. Um, it, it was a it was a good site for us, and a, I mean they had 17,000 followers on on Facebook alone, so that wow. that gave great publicity for our calls. But unfortunately, like all things that are volunteer, um, people start to drop off and. Um, the guy, Matt, who ran it in the end, unfortunately burned himself into the ground due to too much work. And yeah, um, yeah and unfortunately things started to collapse and we decided to uh, split the ship three days before it all went under. Um, well, let's just say um, the Titanic was heading for the iceberg and the iceberg was almost going to touch our nose. We thought that's a good time to get into the life raft and go. <laughs> um, so, so, so that what's happened there. But, but, but the Girls Play Footy days were, were fruitful for us because it gave us more exposure and we brought, started to bring more people in. Um, and then once, once, and, and with girls play footy, that also gave us, um, the contact, um, to get our coverage of the VFLW on RSN carnival here in Melbourne, um, uh, to, to explain radio in Melbourne, uh, you've got AM and FM radio, and you've also got digital radio, which I think they call HD radio there in the United right, States. Right. And so every, um, station like, for example, SEN or 3AW or Gold FM, they've got their main station, but they've got additional digital channels. Correct. Um, yeah. So what happens with RSN 927, they do all the horse racing uh, during the week, um, uh, horse racing, greyhound racing, all that wall-to-wall betting coverage. And they've got some spare channels, which they only sometimes use for special events. And because they're essentially not doing anything with it, um, we had a discussion with them one day through a contact and um, they agreed to take our coverage. On a handshake agreement, they said, yeah, we'll, um, we'll uh, take your calls of the VFLW. And then, um, so, so, so that Girls Play Footy relationship allowed that to work. And then after, after girlsplayfooty.com um, collapsed, the commentary team stayed together after we moved away from them. Um, and we thought, well, we need a new name. Um, uh, a few names that we would have liked to take were already taken. Women's footy was already taken by uh, what's now known as SEN Croc Media. Um, and we thought about using the name female in there, such as Female Footy Radio. We asked um, uh, other members of our commentary team about it, and they said, uh, no, female can sometimes have a negative connotation. Um, so they go, let's prefer to stay with women. Um, so we looked at things of what we could do, which doesn't impede on women's footy, but is still unique to us. Um, and that's when we came up with, uh, Dan actually suggested, he said, how about Wharf? He goes, women's Australian rules football. And that's how Wharf radio came to be. And that's, that's a, and it's an easy, it's an easy one to remember. Um, so when, when they were letting you broadcast on their spare channels, I mean, did, did they just kind of open it up and say, here, go ahead and utilize it. They weren't charging you for that or anything like that. Yeah, correct, correct. Um, so, terrific. yeah, it is, it is. Uh, it, it, the only minor thing was, like, in 2019, we they've got two channels, Carnival 1, Carnival 2. We got bumped from the main channel to Carnival 2, um, essentially because the VAFA men's came along, um, which is another minor league here in Melbourne. Um, and the VAFA, from what I understand, were paying. So it's a okay. case of... We thought that as, as much as some people might arc up, hey, you know, women's football got bumped for men's football. It's like, well, to be fair, they were paying, we were not. So, you know, we can't complain when you're getting something for nothing. Um, so that, that made us uh, but, go to RS. people still find a way to do that, though. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And plus, uh, the VFL launched their own app. And to be honest, a lot of our listeners were coming through that VFL app. So okay. uh, that, okay. that, 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 
that allowed us another way to get out there. The only the only pitfalls when you go through digital radio and through digital apps is if people try to listen at the ground, you're on about a 30 to 60 second delay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why at times we try and, if there's a crowd, we try and set up a little FM transmitter that can be just heard around the ground. So okay. people can listen to us without the delay. Well, that makes sense. I mean, that, that's a, that's a great, great thing that you're able to do for them. Because, you know, for example, uh, I don't know how much of this is happening in Australia with regards to television, but there's been a huge trend in, in the United States to get rid of what is called like cable or satellite television and go with streaming services where you have, where you're getting all of your, not just Netflix, but like all of your channels, like your regular news channels and, and everything like that coming, coming over the internet. So there's always a little bit of a, an additional delay on those things now that you didn't necessarily have with like an antenna or with cable television. So we've, we've seen some changes with that. We did that about two years ago at my house. Absolutely. You've got a similar thing in Australia where you where you break down TV. You obviously got free to air television, right. um, which used to be like the main uh, six cha- uh, six channels, five channels. There used to be um, uh, the three commercial channels, which was seven, nine, and ten. The two government funded channels, ABC, SBS. Oh, and there was C thirty one, which was the open access channel. Um, and then all the stations, excluding C thirty one, got given digital channels. So all of a sudden, their content quadrupled. So they've all got an extra three channels each. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's all free. But then you also had what we called Foxtel, which was pay right, TV. Right. Before that, there was even the Galaxy TV and there was Optus Vision. But all, all of them faded away and only Foxtel, which the Rupert Murdoch, was the Rupert Murdoch-owned company, um, uh, that succeeded um, essentially by just outlasting the rest because they were pouring money into it. Foxtel have been losing subscribers and money hand over fist for years now. And, um, and, and everyone agrees that pay TV is nearing the end. And you can see what's happened where Foxtel and the like have been buying into subscription services now mm-hmm. because they know people like, as you said, cutting the cable. Right, um, right. Sports, sports now is being shown, such as a new entity set up similar to a Netflix called KO here in Australia. So now I, some, I've heard that mentioned, yeah. Yeah, a streaming via that. So the Foxtel channels are now available on KO because Foxtel saw the writing on the wall that they're about to die. So they're diversifying into that. And Stan, for example, which was another Netflix type provider um, by, I think, Channel 9, um, to add to their movies, they just brought the rights to rugby in Australia. Okay. So, um, so they'll be showing now rugby via online streaming channels. So, yeah, or the, the old school pay TV via cable, that's just about dead now that's almost coming to an end um but yeah but they're now essentially moving those same companies are moving and investing in uh, in streaming services yeah it's 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 becoming it's becoming significantly larger here um but you know you i was i went through and i was actually watching a couple of your your calls today on on the website you know you've had an opportunity to come here to the states to the u.s to call games as well um do you do you think you know? And this kind of gets into. You know, I know you focus mainly on the on the VFLW, but you know, looking at the and I'm doing hand gestures, and you can't see me since my camera's not working. So, <laughs> <it doesn't, laughs> um, you know, the, the the AFLW has grown now into to 14 clubs. Do you, and, and and I know this is a really touchy subject with some people, but do you, do you think it grew too quickly? Because there were some yes. there were some clubs this year that were that really struggled. Yes. Okay. I, 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 okay. I know some. I know some will disagree with me. It's a very touchy subject, and it's very um, you know you're in one camp or the other. 
I was firmly in the other camp, which was originally I would have liked a six-team competition to start with instead of eight. They went with eight. I understood that. Um, they probably around now, I reckon, could have grown to have 10. I would have liked to have seen the opposite happen because what they're trying to do is they're trying to get all 18 teams in as quick as possible. Exactly. But the negative yeah. effect of that is that the women are going to be part-time. And if the women are part-time and there's more of them to pay, the the road to full-time uh, footballers is going to be a lot longer. My thinking was the other way around where you should go, okay, let's keep the number of clubs less, but let's get to full-time faster. Because if we get to full-time footballers faster, they with more time to um, work on their skills and concentrate solely on football without having to worry about uh, work and their careers, etc. Um, I believe that way the skills would have developed even faster and even better. And because essentially think about it when you've got uh, eight teams with 30 player lists, you've got the best 240 footballers. Right, but right. then you add an 180 on top with 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 um, 14. You've got the best 400 odd footballers around. But the more, and we saw the same in the men's game when they went to 18. The more and more footballers that you add on, you know, player number 359 is going to be substantially less in quality than player ranked say 12. You know, exactly, exactly. That, yeah. that gap is larger. And some are saying, oh yes, but you help the bottom end and they get to play with the top level. It's like. I think at this stage, the more important thing is to sell the league, is to sell that this is the elite. It's not just a case of, oh, you're a good footballer, you get in. It's like, no, this has to be the elite of the, the elite. And those that do miss out would be still good footballers, but then that would help the state leagues. Because the one thing that we noticed in the VFLW uh, last year in 2019, um, and I say last year, 2019, because we lost the 2020 season due to Correct, COVID. Right, right. Um, the one thing that we saw was the gap between the top sides and the bottom sides really opened up. Um, I suppose the previous year, which was fairly even, it's like now we're starting to notice of, okay, the top teams are smashing the bottom teams and this is not good. This is not good at all. Um, you, you need things to be relatively as co close as possible. And when, when the gap starts to open up between good footballers and bad footballers, you, and you've got to consider at the same time as well, you're, you're trying to put... If you get to that number of 18, which is the same as the men's, right. okay, equal opportunity, I, I, I gather that. But there are less women playing football than men playing football if we talk Australia-wide. Okay. So hypothetically speaking, the best men playing in the AFL, are, I'm just picking out a random number, are the top half a percent of footballers playing the game. Where mm -hmm. because there's less women playing, then all of a sudden it might be the top 2% of women playing the game. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. The, 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 the level of eliteness is not the same in women and men. So, and, and that's what we should be trying to aim at, that that percentage of opportunity for elite footballers should be equal. So, for example, again, if the men is the top half a percent, we should have, make sure that it's only the top half a percent of women playing. And if that means it's only 12 teams then so be it. But therefore, we're saying this is the same quality, the same standard that that we aspire to. Because if I'm not mistaken, there was a push, and I think it was actually supposed to happen in 2021 or 2022. They were supposed to bring the final four clubs into the AFLW, but they've they've pushed that back onto the, you know, back on the uh, the agenda a little bit, from what I have gathered. Because I because I think what you're really saying is that 
some of the, the, the women at the, at the lower end of those lists would probably have been better served maybe still playing in the state leagues to develop their skills before they go and play in what is considered to be the elite competition. Yeah, that's correct. And you, at the same time, you do make the mistake of sometimes you push through some youngsters that you, you think are elite that are 17, 18 years old, um, and you see them in underage football, and you go, oh, well, they've got elite skills. And I used to always say, and it was the same thing with the boys, it's like, yeah, they might have elite skills, but the coaches are told in these talent programs, under-18s, under-16s, not to play what we call, quote-unquote, negative football. Not to play so defensive, allow the skills to be shown so it looks like an open, flashier game. Okay. Now, that's all well and good, but the reality is when you get to the National League, in both men's and women's, when you get to the National League, the mindset is more defensive. The coach wants to win. The coach is worried about their job. They don't want to blow out. Exactly. They're worried about... They worry about defensive opportunities and if opportunity presents to attack, do so. But defense first is the mindset. And it's hard, close, um, body-on-body football. Physical, yeah. Exactly. So you play a more physical game, more in-close, tight physical game at national level compared to development level and state league, which is more open. Great. You look fantastic in under-18s, but are you ready to go one-on-one with a wily customer who's played 10 years of senior football. Because right, the, right. the odd thing used to be, footy is played 80% above the shoulders. Yeah. You, well, I, I, think a lot, I think a lot of sports are that way, but yes, it's... Uh, but yeah, you're, you're right, and it's, you know... And, and some, and, and like we are saying with the state leagues and, and cutting those elite opportunities, some under 18, some 18 year olds actually benefit. And as we've seen, you know, history shows us in men's football that, that some 18 year olds are not quite, might have the skill, but are not quite mature enough and ready yet. And they would benefit from staying at state league level for two or three years till they get settled. Um, particularly more so with women as well, because you've got to consider, unlike men, where if you get drafted as an 18 year old, you're drafted as a full-time, full-time 18-year-old footballer. All you're worried about is football. Mm-hmm. Sure, you might do a bit of university studies, etc., but it's not your top of mind. Your top of mind is football. You're a young woman. You're 18. You get drafted to play football. That's fantastic, but you're part-time. Right. So right. you're either at university and trying to survive on part-time money from football or university working a little bit of part-time work while trying to do football or if university's not for you, you're trying to balance a career while also trying to work your way through an elite program with football. Well, you, know, you, you look at, and, I, and I've mentioned her before, and I'm going to keep mentioning her until hopefully I figure out how to get her on the, the podcast for an interview. But I look at somebody like uh, Jess Wushner that plays for Brisbane, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and she's one of many people that, that are playing in the AFLW that are, you know, I don't even know. Did you hear this? You heard the story, I'm sure, of her last year where she was struck by lightning at work. Yeah, you know, she was. Yeah, she, she works. works as a she works as a stevedore. I mean, that's, yeah. that is one of the toughest jobs on the planet. And and you know, it's, to me, it's and I've I've now I've mentioned this in several episodes now. To me, it's it's mind blowing that one day she's at work as a stevedore, gets struck by lightning, and two days later she's back at footy practice. Yeah. She's she to me she's got to be one of the toughest people on the planet. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and, and she meant, as she mentioned as well, she didn't feel quite the same for, I think, several weeks afterwards. I think, if I'm correct, 
she either went to training and maybe played a game and then didn't play the next week or went so. to training and then didn't play. But I know she missed one game because she said she thought she was okay and then she realised she didn't feel quite right and then it had to take time to, yeah, yeah. To, to obviously get back. Obviously, you know, the shock and everything settling in from uh, being struck by lightning. But I've, I've interviewed Tiana Ernst's work. Uh, pardon me, Tiana Ernst, Dr. Tiana Ernst, who um, was training as an obstetrician, gynecologist. Um, she was working her hospital shifts where she was sometimes doing double shifts to try and... Um, to try and get enough time off so she could play football or she would work a night shift, then have to do a morning training session, then go to sleep and then go back to work again or do a shift, then go straight across and do training at work. Um, and she used to mention some things like in the first season where they only gave them one set of training gear. They didn't give them multiple sets. They just gave them the one set of training gear and they were meant to show up for training four times a week. So she said she would do it. She'd go to work do her long eight-hour shift, drive an hour to the ground, do her training, finish finally about nine o'clock at night, something like that, drive home, get home at 10 o'clock to get ready to have some dinner. At the same time, have to put her training gear in the wash for an hour, wow. Wow. take it out, hang it up, and then before she went to work in the morning, get it off the line, hoping it had dried because she needs that same training gear for, the, wow. for that night's training. That, that, that's, the, that's the sacrifice they used to make. So. So what do we, uh, you know, what, what can the, you know, the league do? And the league, you know, has had a, a, a huge, hugely strange year with COVID and everybody being off at the different hubs and that type of thing. What can, the, you know, at, at the AFLW level, what can they do to get women to where it is more of a, a full-time situation? Because, you know, I know that the competition right now is not, self-sustaining it's not making enough money itself to to pay for you know all of the athletes and all of that sort of thing so it, it you know it, it's it's taking in money from from the the afl as well but how do we get to the point where it becomes something that's viable on its own covid19 has certainly thrown a spanner in the works um so it takes away some of the easier answers um chatting for example to uh, well, listening to an interview from Brie Brock, should I say, um, that she did with the Outer Sanctum, uh, and she highlighted the best where up until... And this this year is an exception. The fixture is going to be put out in December, but COVID-19 means things have to be put out late. But prior to COVID-19, there was a lot of times for the first couple of seasons, the fixture for AFLW, as much as the season was kicking off at the start of February, the fixture wasn't coming out to November, December. And that used to screw around, um, for example, Brie Brocker was CEO of the women's program at the Lions because she said the later and later they left it, it gave them less opportunities to go, okay, what are our home games? When are we hosting these home games? Where exactly are the home games? Because they used multiple venues. And okay, what can we set up as part of, if we were to appeal to sponsors, um, a match day experience for them? Because for them... They can't go out to sponsors and sell the fixture and say, hey, sponsor the team, you, you name on the back of the jumper or on the shorts, whatever. And you're also going to be given this little corporate box that we're going to set up for the day and you're going to get a free feed and you're going to get booze for your clients and et cetera. They can't sell that to the sponsors without knowing what they're actually selling because they don't know how many home games they've got and everything from space to signage rights, et cetera. Or even um, where they're going to be playing. 
Exactly, exactly. You know, they can't plan. I mean, let alone for the players to be able to plan their life because they've got to take off annual leave. COVID-19 is starting to spend the works. The same thing's happening around where the clubs are going to struggle to make money, not only because some businesses are going to keep a tighter rein on their books while they try and figure out the ramifications from COVID-19 and when business will come back to normal, but with such a short leading time to when the season starts, it's like, as, as a club, you can't really go out there and sell it to sponsors because you don't know what you're actually selling. Exactly. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. And you're not going to be able to make money. And the league's plans to um, charge an entry fee, which the players have been arguing for ages, even if it was a $5 entry fee, charge an entry fee. That could be also thrown on the back burner as well because the, the league would be like, well, can we charge entry if we know we're allowed fans in or not? If fans do come in, are we limited in numbers? And maybe an entry fee might happen as a way of people having to book tickets so they can keep numbers capped. Who knows? But at the moment, without entry fees as well, that's another potential um, yeah. revenue source that's exactly. not there as well. You, know, and, and it, you, could, you think they could have, you know, even if it wasn't a significant amount, even if it was only a dollar or two, that maybe they could have done that, but, you know, it, and it, it, that wouldn't have been too patronizing and a number to say, well, give us a little bit here. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a thing that we thought of. Um, they, they did a $2 donation, I know, for Optus Stadium when they had that first ever game there for um, uh, from Antle and Collingwood, if I'm right. Um, they did that more of a case of just to keep a number, of, keep an eye on tickets, so therefore they could say this was the official crowd because they were trying to set a record, and plus the tickets doubled as free public transport for the day. Um, but there was an idea around saying, well, what they should have done in season two, just to to get an idea of how much people are willing to pay, is they should have just made it like gold coin donation, and gold coin donation could have either gone to the charity of choice, I know the Players Association involved in ladder, or it could have gone to, oh, we're going to give the money as grants to grassroots football clubs. Um, there was a big push on to let's do gold coin donation to at least show that, hey, you know, over the weekend we've had twenty thousand supporters show up at our games and we've raised forty or fifty thousand dollars. That'd be at least. A, it's goodwill, but B, it's able to show, hey, we can expect people are willing to give some type of money. We can start to forecast that we can have this amount of revenue coming in. I mean, some clubs at the moment have been selling women's memberships, you know, and have been selling several hundred or a thousand or so, which is impressive. I mean, the membership is really a donation because you don't have to pay to come into the ground and you get essentially no real benefit from that membership. That's true. That's true. Now, I, I know you've got to be heading off to work here pretty soon and there. One of the real reasons I wanted to get you on, and, and this has been a fantastic discussion. I, you've got some wonderful insight you know, from angles that, that I've not talked with people before. But getting back to, to, to Wharf Radio, you know, I, I came across on your, your uh, Instagram account that your organization is running a grant opportunity that I wanted to make sure that we talk about here. So can you tell us a little bit about that grant that you have up and running and how people might go about applying for that? Yes, yeah, so it's unusual for a volunteer group to be putting up money of our own uh, to, <laughs> for someone else to go start another volunteer group or a company for that matter. Um, but what we did, we came up with the broadcast equipment grant. Uh, we had a small $500 contribution from another party and, and we thank them very much for that. Um, and I decided to chip in $500 of my own money. So we got $1,000 all up. Plus we also had uh, our friends at gofooty.live who we 
syndicate their Geelong VFLW call um, via our channel. Uh, they've also uh, said they'll do donate some podcast space as well in case they want to start a podcast. But uh, essentially, it's a $1,000 broadcast equipment grant. And the aim is uh, it's open to women who want to start their own football commentary team. Uh, because the one thing that we've noticed, and this is available Australia-wide, even nationwide, I mean, pardon me, worldwide. So if someone from overseas happens to um, uh, send in a submission of interest, uh, we'd look at it. Um, but the idea was that we saw in Melbourne, we go, look, um, there's a dozen or so footy commentary teams. And I know there was a recent class where 20 women, you know, all expressed an interest in wanting to call and do play-by-play -play for football. And I, I tried to put up a list together of, you know, places they could go to to call on besides ourselves. And then I realised all these organisations, whether they're independent groups or whether they be community stations, they're all run by men. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can even be intimidating for women. So they're not even just trying to get past the stigma of, oh, these men are probably thinking like dinosaurs and might not give women a go or just stuff them on the boundary and, and be done with it. But for some women, it may be intimidating of, oh, I don't know these guys. I don't think I could fit in their humour or whatever it might be. But they would feel more comfortable calling alongside other women. But for women to call alongside women, at some stage, you've got to have a woman run the team. Um, as much as we obviously give a lot of opportunity to women ourselves at, at Wolf Radio, we thought we need some, a group out there where women know everything to do with broadcast, not just commentary, but know how to produce it, tech it, prepare it, have a full, full oh, women's oh. commentary team. Also, they can be open to, uh, as part of the grant, they can be open to having men on their commentary team or transgender or non-binary persons. Or as we've also put in the grant, we look favourably upon those that also want to give opportunities to Indigenous persons or new Australians. Um, so we, we, we put the idea out there that we want... Um, those women that are interested in football commentary, those that want to go one step further and start up their own call team, here's $1,000 and you can go buy some of your broadcast equipment. Okay. It could probably buy all of it if you really want to go with the cheap bargain basement stuff. Don't knock it. That's what I did in 2014 and they got myself on the air. That's what I'm or doing with might, my podcast. Or it might buy you, for example, like the Rodecaster Pro, which I use now. That's cost around about $800. That'd be a big chunk of the grant, but that could be something that is your base and then maybe with a bit of your own money, you buy the other bits and bobs. Um, it, the opportunity is up to themselves, whatever equipment they want to get. But we thought at least $1,000 gets, it might not be much, but it gets them off the ground and it hopefully just finally gets the wheels going in, in one of their heads that one woman will finally go, you know what, it's time to run our own team and takes the initiative. Um, because the one thing I've said, like with, with Worth Radio, as much as we're a team and, and we make group decisions um, in, in a democracy type of way on a Facebook group, um, at the end of the day, I own all the equipment. And uh, as I used to say, if I happen to drop dead tomorrow, heaven forbid, knock on wood and all of that, or I get an opportunity that comes up where, for, for my career to progress and I can't commit to doing weekends anymore and doing, right, uh, right. doing football. We need someone else who's going to give women that opportunity. And, and that's why we need a women's group to start up to say, okay, that there is another avenue. We need more avenues out there to give women more options. The more options that open up, the more women are probably going to step forward and start taking on these roles. Okay, that's, that's terrific. So where, where can they go and find specific information for the grant and where can they actually apply for it? 
So if they go to our website, uh, warfradio.com, so that's W-A-R-F radio.com, um, they'll see a little tab there that says grant. They can click on the grant or have all the information there, including uh, my email at the bottom, which they just click on and they submit uh, the email. Uh, the applications are going to be open for another week and a half. Um, so that's and there's like a little December, bit of... December the 9th is when you're closing it out, right? Exactly. And, okay. um, and there's a small criteria there. And it's just to show that the, the criteria is more a case to show that you actually have a plan going forward. It's stuff like, what league do you want to commentate? And that could even be junior football or senior football. It could even be women from America that want to do the USAFL, you know, fantastic, you know, whatever the best idea we get. Um, and at the same time, it's who do you want to call with? So it shows that it's not just you. You've gone, look, I've approached these group of people and this is who we're going to call with. So we're not going okay. to judge it on saying, oh, we don't like this person, so your grant's disqualified. <laughs> it's not that. It's more a case of, okay, it shows that you're not just the only person calling, that you're going to have a group calling together, that you, there's other people you can rely upon to help you. And, um, and also, do you want to stream online? Do you want to stream video, audio only? It's just a showcase of, you know, you've thought about seriously what you want to do, and this is the plan that you're going to follow through on. Terrific, terrific. Well, sir, I think we've covered pretty much everything, because like I said, I know you've got to be heading off to work, and uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your morning before you head out, because I know you've got a busy day coming up here. and. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank uh, Peter Holden for joining me this morning. And, uh, sir, thank you so very much for your time. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. It was a pleasure being on here. And uh, fingers crossed the COVID-19 situation starts to sort itself out. So uh, come mid-February next year, we get the VFLW back and running again after a year off. and We can call that. And hopefully, for your sake and for everyone's sake in the USA, that the COVID-19 situation, yeah, as sorts itself out. Um, because I want to get back across there. We, the USAFL Nationals got cancelled last October, and I've been going across every year for the last four years. So I want to get back over there. Well, I, I want to head your direction because here, here I, this is a game that I'm doing a podcast about, and I've never actually seen a game in person before. So <laughs> uh, you'll love it. You'll love it. As I say, you've got, you've got to see the game at the national level and to get yeah. a real feel, you've got to see the game at the local at the level local as level. well. Okay. Mr. Holden, I appreciate your time. So thank you very much, sir. Have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd again like to thank Mr. Peter Holden of Wharf Radio for coming onto the podcast today. I will have a link to Wharf Radio in the show notes. And at the top of the page on the far right-hand side, you'll see the link for the uh, grant information so you can check that out there if you're looking at applying for that grant sounds like a great opportunity if you're a woman who's looking at getting into announcing footy so i strongly recommend checking that out ladies and gentlemen i also wanted to let you know that uh in the last week or so i did open up my merch store for the podcast currently i've got three different designs that are up and i'll be providing a link to that uh store in the show notes as well so if you're interested in uh you know, looking for, you know, a sticker for the podcast or you want to get a uh, a T-shirt or something of that nature to show that you're a, uh, a fan of a yank on the footy or, as you'll see on the website, if you wanted to buy a shower curtain or a throw pillow, they have them available. 
Not sure why you would want to buy one of those, but they're there if you're interested. And again, one of the neat things about Redbubble is that they print most of the stuff that they offer on multiple continents. So if you order something in Australia, order something in the United States, it's going to get printed there and shipped from there rather than being printed and shipped from overseas. So hopefully you'll consider taking a look at it. You know, any funds that come along with this, I'm looking at plugging right back into the podcast, upgrading equipment, uh, subscription services for the podcast host, that sort of thing. Ultimately getting my podcast website up and running. I have the one that goes along with the Podbean app, but I also have a regular podcast site already set aside. I just do not have it up and running yet. I'm hoping to get that done as well. And this is all kind of culminating with the uh, soon to be one year anniversary of the podcast, which to me is still mind boggling that I've made it that far. I'm getting ready to move into my second year. My first anniversary of the podcast uh, is coming up on the 29th of, of December. It's a lot of uh, anniversaries coming up in uh, the month of December because my wife and I will be celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary on the 23rd of December. And no, if she's listening, which I know she's not, I did not have to check the date on the inside of my ring. And yes, it is on the inside of my ring, just in case I get old and I forget. But the 29th is the uh, the first um, date for my first anniversary of the podcast. And I had a goal of 10,000 downloads by the anniversary date. And it looks like it might just be achievable because I'm at this moment in time, 550 downloads away from reaching that goal of 10,000 downloads. And I can't thank those of you who have listened nearly enough for checking out the podcast. It's been great. I truly appreciate you listening. It's been, uh, it's been wonderful hearing from different people hearing from all of you who have listened and and tuning in and giving your views and sharing your thoughts and reaching out. It's truly been a blessing learning about the game from, from fans like yourselves. And don't forget that if you'd like to sign up for the mailing list so that you get each new episode delivered to you first, there is a link to a very short form in the show notes. Okay. If you'd like to sign up, I'll get you added onto the list. I just added somebody new earlier today. And, uh, you know, again, Check out the storefront. See if there's anything that you like. It, even if you're a supporter of, of, you know, a club and you're looking for stickers or that sort of thing for your club that are inexpensive, great place to look. They've got tons of them there. And also, if, if you're somebody who's interested in possibly becoming a guest or you have somebody that you think would be a great guest on the podcast, you know, to talk about the uh, offseason, to talk about the draft, which is coming up here very shortly, please feel to reach out to me on Twitter at yank underscore on. You can also reach me at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. And you can find me on Facebook at the, uh, the podcast webpage at a yank on the footy, as well as on Instagram. If you've got an idea for a show topic, shoot me a DM. You know, I've got a list of things that I'm wanting to get into, but you may have an idea that I've never thought of, and it would be a fantastic topic. And remember that while you can find all the episodes for the podcast at yankonthefooty.podbean.com. You can also find it on your favorite podcast provider. And also every episode is available on my YouTube channel as well. You just have to search for my name, Craig Wessels. And now that you've listened, I would hope you'll consider giving me a, uh, a review on Apple Podcasts. Let me, know how you, let me know how I'm doing. If I've earned a five-star from you, that'd be fantastic. But I really would love to hear what you think. I'd love for the podcast host to hear what you think as well. And don't forget, as I said, you can reach me at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. 
and also on Twitter at Yank underscore on, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at Yank on the Footy. And before I go, I'd like to thank Mr. Joseph McDade for the use of a couple pieces of his great music. I'm using Backplate and Elevation. You can find his music not only on Spotify, but also on his website at, at josephmcdade.com slash music. So again, Mr. McDade, thanks so very much. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening because while many of us are fans of our teams, deep down we're fans of a game that we all love, and that's the game of footy. And again, I thank you so very much for listening, and I ask that you please share the podcast with your friends and family. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. This has been episode number 62 of Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at yankonthefooty. And you can also find the podcast on YouTube, searching out my name, Craig Wessels. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. And please share the podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, goodbye.